We're going to move on to our scripture reading for today. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 in the ESV. We'll give you an opportunity to look that up uh, if if you have a Bible app or if you have your own Bible. Um, I will be reading the scripture for us. Again, it's Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. And just a reminder, uh, we are going to have our children's sermon right after we read this uh, scripture passage. So may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to have our children's sermon now, and... um, you know, one of the things with uh, children's sermons that I really enjoy is kind of like having a response. And so Angelina, Jason, and James, feel free to respond. You know, for those of you at home, it might kind of be like watching Dora the Explorer, where she's like, you know, do you know where my backpack is? And then she just waits and blinks. That's right. Muy bueno. Or, you know, whatever. I, I, my, my Spanish is terrible. Sorry. Uh so welcome, everyone. Welcome, all of God's children. Uh, it is Easter Sunday. And so what I thought would be fun is I wanted to do an Easter egg hunt. Now, you might be wondering, Pastor Steve, how in the world are we going to do an Easter egg hunt when we're at home and you're at church and, you know, there, there's just this video screen here? You know, and so I've just, it's going to be a very small Easter egg hunt, uh, but I hid the eggs just somewhere up here. And so let's look for them together. Hmm. Do you guys see any eggs? I'm going to do the Dora thing. <laughs> do you, do you see any eggs over there? You see a little kid there in the back? What is this? What is this? This? What, what? Oh, it's not an Easter egg. It's just one of those egg shakers the praise team uses. Oh, well. Ah, what's this right here? Do you guys see this? It's an egg. It's an egg. You know what? We're going to open this in a sec, but I'll hold on to this. But I think there are two more eggs. Now, the way that the, the video camera is is tilted, you can't see the other one, but... oh. Jason's pointing to this one right here. <laughs> yeah, he's pointing. I could see his eyes. He's pointing with his eyes. Oh, you, 
I, I think James is going to help you out. You see it? You guys see it right there? Right there. Bright pink. Yo, we got two now. Woo! We got the eggs. We got the eggs. You know what? I'm going to move this podium so you guys can get a better look. So maybe you guys can find <laughs> the last egg. Do you guys see the last egg? <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> so I don't know if you notice. You guys can play this back. But during the announcements, I just kind of like nervously like picked it up. During the announcements, I was like holding it in my hand. I was like, oh, shoot. And I had to put it back. We found three eggs. That's fantastic. All right. So what in the world are we going to do with these eggs? You know what we should do? We should open them. But before we do, I want to tell you guys a little story. So I heard a story about a Sunday school, right? You guys like Sunday school? Sunday school is very fun. Our Sunday school here is awesome. We miss our Sunday school teachers in our class. But uh, so in the Sunday school, uh, the teacher gave an assignment to all the kids before Easter and said, yeah, gave them each a plastic egg like this and said, I want you to go home and fill the egg with some sign of Easter, something that symbolizes Easter. And so each kid took their egg home and, and then they brought it back the next week. And so during the Sunday school, you know, the, the teacher asked, hey, kids, what did you guys bring? And so the first kid came up. And he brought an egg, and so then she opened it up. Let's see what's inside. Oh, it's a piece of paper. What's in this piece of paper? Now with our camera, our excellent digital camera, we'll see if we can see this really well. It was a... Oh, shoot, wait for it. Oh, shoot. Oh, it was a butterfly. It was a butterfly. I, I, I know this is so awesome, right? That's why you guys are laughing. This is so awesome. We're happy. It was a butterfly. Now, wouldn't that been rad if I had opened up the egg and an actual butterfly flew out? We're not there yet, guys. But it was a butterfly. And the teacher was like, that's great. You know, a butterfly, that does symbolize Easter. You know, because a butterfly is a sign of new life. And that caterpillar, it, it, it goes into the, the, the cocoon, right? Like Jesus went into the grave and then comes out in a new form as Jesus came out in his resurrected body, right? And so butterfly is a symbol of resurrection for sure. And then the teacher was like, oh, that's great. It was like Billy or someone, you know, good job, Billy. And then the next little kid came up. Hey, this is little Nancy. Hey, Nancy, what did you bring? And Nancy brought her egg. And inside Nancy's egg was a cross. It was a cross. I had no idea that was going to appear. Um, and the teacher was like, yes, Nancy, good job. That's great. The cross is a sign of Easter because Jesus died on the cross. And then he resurrected, right? So she said, good job. The cross is definitely a sign of Easter. And then the last kid was little Susie. And little Susie didn't really talk much during Sunday school. She was a kid who was just really quiet in the corner, didn't really have a lot of friends. And uh, But little Susie, you know, had her egg in her hand. And so the Sunday school teacher said, little Susie, uh, what did you bring today? And Susie brought her egg, and she opened it up very carefully and quietly. 
There was nothing in it. And the teacher was like, oh, Susie, what is this? Hey, I gave you an assignment. Teacher got kind of mad. <laughs> I don't know. But the teacher was like, little Susie, why'd you bring back an empty egg? And little Susie said, because the tomb was empty too. You see that? It's an empty tomb. And in many ways, brothers and sisters, I think little Susie's egg is most representative of Easter, Right? Because as we read the story this morning, when the, the disciples uh, went, when the, the women disciples went, and they looked at the tomb, there was no body. It was empty. Um, I, I heard there was a preacher who made like a bad joke on Twitter and said, you know, our churches are going to be empty on Sunday, just like the tomb. And it's like, okay. <laughs> but... You know, this is a sign of hope for us. And, and I want to point out something, too. If you want to go back, just one picture, to the other egg that the, the student brought, look at that cross. You guys notice anything about that cross? There's something different about that cross. You guys see what it is? You're like, it's black. Well, I mean, it, it could be any color. But what's different about it is Jesus is not on it anymore, right? Because God rose Jesus from the dead. And so what we have this morning is a sign of hope. If Jesus rose from the dead and we are his disciples and we follow, we follow in his footsteps, it stands to reason. We also too will rise. And so if we believe in Jesus and what he did for us, we also will experience the resurrection, right? It is such good news. And it's such good news that it has shaped uh, our church forever has shaped our faith. And I, I want us to uh, end our children's sermon here uh, by uh, doing a call and response, something we do every Easter. And it is, when I say Christ is risen, we're all going to say he is risen indeed. And this part is really crucial. And so uh, one of my favorite basketball players was uh, Michael Jordan. And when he would uh, score a basket, you know, or he would do something spectacular, you know. He had been there before, so he didn't, like, like celebrate like he had never done it before. He wasn't like, ah! But you know what he would do when he would, like, make a clutch basket? He would go like this. He would just do a fist pump, a confident fist pump. So that's what I want you, uh, or fist pump, <laughs> that's what I want you guys to do. Uh, is, we're going to say, Christ is risen, and we will respond by saying, he is risen indeed. And so uh, let's do that together, friends. Christ is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I saw Mike White on the, the chat. He put a little fist bump. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So kids, you, get, you guys can do that with your parents. Parents do that with your kids. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. All right, kids, you can, can, you can stay with us, but that's the end of the children's sermon. And um, the, today's message is called Resurrection Vision. It is that idea that um, the resurrection has changed forever. Uh, the, the church has changed forever um, how we do life, really. Um, so one of the things that, that maybe you might know is that, um, you know, Jewish people traditionally, uh, they worship on Saturday. Right, so uh, the word for Saturday uh, in Hebrew is Shabbat. That's where we get our uh, word Sabbath, right? Because it's Saturday, 
right? It's not Sunday. And very, very early on in the history of the church, it's very interesting because most of the early Christians, they were all pretty much Jews, right? And, um, you know, honoring the Sabbath was such a big part of worship. But very, very early on, Christians, those who believe that Christ was the Messiah, they changed the day they worshiped to Sunday. And there was really only one reason for this. It was because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It changed time for them. It changed their calendar, right? It, it, it changed life forever uh, for all of us, this, this uh, just cataclysmic event. And so let's take a look at the scripture again that we read a moment ago. It says, but on the first day of the week, right? So that would be Sunday is the first day of the week, right? You guys remember? So six days God worked, and on the seventh day he rests. That's Saturday. But on Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They put a stone there to make sure that no one tried to take Jesus' body. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. So there are a couple uh, things that I just want to highlight there. The idea of looking for the living among the dead. That, that's usually what you would expect when you go to a gravesite. It is a place where you experience death, right? Where people who are dead or buried, and where you go and you visit people who died, right? And that was their expectation, because that's what you expect in that environment, right? We have another word for environment. It's called kingdom, you know? And so if you go to a kingdom of death, you expect to find death, right? That's just the way it works. And in this world, we live in a world, we live in a kingdom, where people live as if there is no God. People live as if death is the worst thing that can happen, right? Isn't that like pretty much, you know, what we think is the worst thing? In all our movies and stories, when someone dies, we cry and we're like, oh, this is the end. It's over, right? And, and that feels like so ultimate and just so completely uh, hopeless, so completely um, you know, we, we, we just despair when we reach the end like that. And for many of us, we think we know what the end is. And maybe for some of us in the life that we're living right now, we are, you know, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's just over us, this, this feeling of deadness. Maybe it's not actual physical death, but maybe it's economic death. Maybe it's the death to our communities, the death to our plans and future. We look all around us and we're like, this is a valley of dry bones. So David preached on, David Beck preached on uh, this passage a few weeks ago. Um, we think we're in a valley of dry bones. We, we think that there is no possibility of life. I, I heard the story that, uh, or heard this account that oftentimes when uh, conquering armies would go and they'd you know, conquer a, a, 
another country. Um, they would, you know, defeat a city or whatever. They would go around and they would put salt on the earth. And why would you do that? They would do that so that nothing could grow. There could be no new life that would spring out of that ground so that people's hope would die, so that those people could never rise to prosperity and rise up against uh, the people who defeated them, right? It's pretty mean, huh? But this idea that the ground is salted, do you feel like that? Do you feel like the ground is salted right now? Do you feel like you're experiencing deadness, that you've kind of come to a dead end in terms of some things? And we just look at these situations and we're like, what can you possibly do? But for the angel, the angel says, hey, you guys come here and you're, you're in mourning clothes and you're sad and you've come to uh, prepare a dead body with spices and perfumes. Why would you do that? Because they were expecting a bad smell, right? They were expecting the body beginning to decay again more signs of deadness. Everything that they were doing was preparing to meet deadness. But the angel was like, hey, Jesus told you, he told you that he would rise from the dead. You have come expecting deadness, but Jesus is alive. Why have you come looking for the living among the dead? And I wonder, in our everyday lives, do we expect to see new life? Do we expect to meet the risen Christ in our deadness? Do you expect to see the possibility of hope? Even if around you there are different signs of deadness, but do you believe that there is the possibility of turnaround? Because that's what the resurrection is all about, right? So what are you looking for? What, What is your vision when you look at this world? Do you just look around and you only see hopeless things? Or do you look around with resurrection vision, which changes everything? Now, before we get more into that resurrection uh, vision, I, I, I want to point out something that I think is a little sobering, right? That, that he says, he's not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Must be. Jesus has to go through death. Jesus died. Jesus was crucified. Jesus suffered. And you can't deny that part. You can't skip ahead. We want to do that all the time. And, and you know, there's a question I think that I sometimes have. Maybe you have it. Why? Why did Jesus have to die? And, you know, I think there are many, many reasons for that. And some I don't think we can completely understand other than that was the will of God. That's the way God chose to do it. But I think there is a sense in which we also, too, will have to go through suffering and death. And so Jesus did, too. But also, Jesus went uh, to take on the powers of death. You guys remember, um, or you know, maybe you recall from the Apostles' Creed, there's a part that sometimes people omit, but it's actually a very important part. It says that, you know, Jesus was, uh, he was tried by Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate, excuse me. He was crucified. Um, and then usually we skip ahead to on the third day he rose from the dead. But there's actually another line there. It says he descended into hell. He descended into hell. Why? What, what, 
we believe is that Jesus went into hell to defeat it and to rescue the prisoners from hell, right? And so Jesus died in order to defeat death. And then that's why the symbol, uh, uh, the symbol of our faith is an empty cross, right? Because Jesus is not on that cross anymore, right? We don't worship on Good Friday. Uh, well, we do, but not every Friday, right? We worship on Sunday because that is the day where death itself was defeated, right? Where all of these things were then reversed, where victory came in Jesus Christ, and so, you know, that's important, but we have to acknowledge Jesus had to go through death. You can't skip that part, right? And there's a lot of us that we look at this and, and we kind of jump ahead a, a few steps and we say, okay, so we will all rise. Yes. But guess what? What has to happen in order for you to rise? You have to die. Everybody dies. That's, it's a necessary component of resurrection. No, we don't want that part. We just want resurrection. Resurrection makes no sense if you do not die first. And there are a lot of people that just want the power of resurrection. And, and we take it, and we have a distorted sense of resurrection. Is What we do is we take resurrection and we say, I like the power of resurrection. Um, you know, maybe you'll hear an Easter message like this. I've probably preached messages like this. I know I have. Where it's like, if Jesus could raise from the dead, if God could raise Jesus from the dead, then there's nothing he can't do, which is true, right? But the way we interpret that is then we can walk through fire. And we can, uh, you know, we'll never be harmed. And nothing bad will happen to you. And you'll never get sick. I'm sorry, friends. That's not the message of resurrection. The resurrection, the message of resurrection is you die first, and then you resurrect. I think there's some people who are sort of, uh, you know, we have this, this, this kind of magical thinking when it comes to this world that if we believe in Christ, that nothing bad will ever happen to you, if you just believe. So I want to tell you a little, bit, a little story. Um, when I was in, in Cambodia, I went to visit my friend, Pastor Arnold, who was a missionary there. And uh, he sent me to the countryside one weekend uh, to visit a country church to preach there. And uh, so the, the morning, uh, Sunday morning, the, the pastor very graciously treated me to breakfast. We went to a, a restaurant and um, we ate outside. It was a beautiful day uh, and it was really, really nice. And uh, the pastor at the end of the meal was like, uh, Pastor Steve, would you like some iced coffee? Cambodian iced coffee is delicious. Now, we're in the countryside. And one of the first things they tell you when you're in uh, countries like that um, is that, uh, well, at least this is what I was told, is that you're not supposed to drink anything that has ice that doesn't have a hole in it. Because if it has a hole in it, you know it came from an ice machine. If it doesn't have a hole in it, if it just looks jagged, it came from a big block of ice that they probably bought from a market, and they transport these things on mopeds, and it gets dirt and dust and all this stuff, and you will probably get sick. And so the pastor gets an iced coffee, and it's got all this jagged ice in it. He's like, Pastor Steve, would you like an iced coffee? And I'm like, there's no way that this came from an ice machine, Right. And so I, I said, oh, you know, very politely, no, that's okay, Pastor, thank you so much. 
you know, I, I, I'm okay. He's like, are you sure? Because Cambodian iced coffee, it, it's so good. And I'm like, I, I, I'm sure it is. Thank you so much. It's so gracious, but I'm okay. Then he asked me a third time. It's like Peter denying Jesus three times, right? He asked me a third time. Are you sure you don't want the Cambodian iced coffee? And I'm like, oh, he asked me a third time. And I'm like, okay. And I just prayed. I said, God, please protect me from this, from the germs that are probably on this ice. Uh, and, and I said, okay. And I drank the iced coffee. So what happens? So I, I preach, right? And then I'm waiting for someone to come pick me up and take me back to the city. And so I have some time, and I start feeling something. I, I, I go and I take a nap. And when I wake up from my nap, when they're calling me and they're telling me that, that my ride has come, my belly has swollen to about the size of a basketball. And over the next three, four weeks, I had some of the worst stomach pain I've ever had. That first couple of nights, I felt like I was going to die. <laughs> I, I, I was, was like sweating, and I couldn't keep any fluids down. If your kids are still in the room, I won't go into any more detail than that. But I, I felt like, like it seriously felt like there was like some kind of like angry, like little gremlin inside my belly just punching me on the inside and pulling it on the inside. And it was agony. I have never been so sick. And the missionaries actually think they think I got dysentery. Um, but because I didn't want to go to a hospital in Cambodia, I was like, no, I'll be okay. I'll, I like drank lots of Gatorade and just, you know, I just kind of sweated it out. And, um, you know, so what is the moral of the story? The moral of the story is if you drink ice that has germs in it, <laughs> you will get sick. That's, that's the message of the story. You can pray for it. Right? You, you can ask God to take it away. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I'm telling you, you probably will get sick. There are some people through this whole COVID-19 thing who are like, we're still going to go to church. right? If God can raise Jesus from the dead, then he can do anything. And so we're going to go to church, and we're going to hang out with people, and we're going to touch people, and we're going to hug them, and you know, we're, we're going to lick the bulletins. I don't know what they're doing. But you know, they're like, like, because we believe in God. And you know what's happening in some of these people? They're getting sick and they're dying. Why? Well, because there's germs, because there's a virus, right? You're going to get sick. God didn't say that you wouldn't die. What he said is you will rise again. Yeah, those people believe in Jesus, you know? They put their full hope and trust in Jesus. They're going to go to heaven. They're going to resurrect. But they're still going to die, right? You know? And, and so th this is the thing. Brothers and sisters, um, you know, you look all throughout the history of the church, and it's full of martyrs. It's full of people who believed in Jesus. And some were tortured, some were killed for their faith. There's not a Christian that I know, you know, throughout history, who has not or will not die, right? Some get sick. Right? Some, you know, suffer different tragedies through life. You know, one of my uh, uh, kind of heroes of faith is this guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German theologian and pastor. 
And Dietrich Bonhoeffer courageously uh, opposed the Nazi regime. And so uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was arrested, and he uh, was put in a concentration camp. And just a few days, days before uh, Nazi Germany fell and um, the end of World War II, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed. It's actually on April 9th, 1945, if my math is correct. That was 75 years and three days ago. It was the 75th anniversary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's execution. What what do we believe all this stuff for if it doesn't help us in this life? I'm here to tell you, it does help you in this life. But what we see is that In the resurrection, there is a promise. After death comes life. And and Christians have understood that for centuries. So they're like, you could kill me, but I'm going to raise with Christ. That was their confidence. And so they weren't afraid. They knew it. They knew it with certainty. It changed the way they approached their lives and deaths. They didn't have to go through life being so afraid because they knew life was a certainty. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's last words before he died, very famously, he said, this is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. That's the hope we have in the resurrection. There's this this idea that we have, that um, the belief we have, that Jesus is going to come again, and we will all be raised with him, all of us. But that day has not come yet. The kingdom of God is breaking into this world. It has already come. But this is the paradox. It has come, but not fully. There's a a here and now and a not yet. You know that. If you look around in this world, there is the goodness of God. You see you, but you also know there's a lot of messed up things. There's a lot of brokenness. We can't deny that. Christians still get sick. Christians still get persecuted. Christians still die. Right? It's just a reality. Now, do some people get healed? Of course, right? But it wouldn't be a miracle if, if it just happened any old time you wanted it to, right? I mean, that, that's the reason why we see it as a miracle, because they don't always happen, right? I mean, you know, you can call everything a miracle, but we don't look at it that way. Your breath is a miracle. Like, birth is a miracle, right? But because it happens all the time, we're just like, yeah, that's what happens. Right, and so yes, there are times where we see that that you know the power of God will break in, and you will see things that are supernatural. You know, I do believe. I I, I know people have been healed from sicknesses, but I will tell you this, and and brothers and sisters, I, I I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Not everybody gets healed, right? At least not yet. Everyone will be healed. Scripture tells us there will be a day where there is no more tears, no more more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. That's what we believe. And even in the darkest of times, there are signs, there are hints, there are glimpses of the inbreaking power of the resurrection. There are glimpses. 
It's like a sneak preview of what is going to happen to all of creation. Scripture tells us that all of creation is groaning for the transformation that is going to happen to the sons and daughters of God in Romans 8. Right? This is going to happen to all of us. Right? We are all going to be raised. And yes, we will be, see signs of that. You see that all around us, even in a time of coronavirus. I read the story that in certain parts of India where there's so much pollution and smog, that for the first time in 30 years in some of these villages where they're just like, like you look out and they just see smog everywhere. But for the first time in 30 years, they can see the Himalayas. Because during this time, there's so much less pollution. So much, the factories aren't running. The automobiles aren't running as much. Not as many people are out. And so they're like, it's like a miracle. There are signs of new life all around us. Even for many of us, when, when the chips are down and when so much badness or so much hopeless, at least from our view, we look at these things and we say, this is bad, this is hopeless. And yet, you see so much courage. You see so much kindness, so much generosity. You see ways that people start appreciating people. I, I preached a sermon once where I was talking about how we can practice love by when you go check out at the grocery store to really just appreciate that person. Just look them in the eye. See them as a human being and say thank you. Now, probably for most of us, we don't do that. But maybe if you're like me, I do that now. Right? I mean, you see that person, and now a lot of the grocery stores, they have like that big plexiglass, and they got gloves on. And, you know, I, I remember I went to a CVS very early on, and they had toilet paper there, and I was like so happy, you know. And I went there, and the guy, I was like, hey, you know, thank you for your service. It was like I was thanking, like, like uh, uh, you know, someone in the military, you know. Thank you for your service. Thank you for, for you know, putting your pants on, going out the door, and stocking toilet paper today. You know, and, and we're starting to appreciate people more. There are always ways that you see new life come after death. That's what we believe in the resurrection. There's little symbols of it. But brothers and sisters, make no mistake. This is not just a metaphor for rebirth when you see in tragedy or the ways we pick ourselves up. This isn't a metaphor for the human spirit. There was this guy named Jesus. He actually died and he actually rose from the dead. I mean, it changed everything. There were other would-be messiahs. There were other people who said, we are going to come and we're going to be this promised king, and they died. And whenever they would die, their movement would be stamped out. Always happened, right? And so, you know, usually Rome was like, ah, all right, this little guy has, you know, this countryside rebellion, let's kill him. And that's what they do. They execute the leader, followers would, would scatter. But it was different this time. It was different this time. And there were, there, there's accounts in scripture that tell us about accounts that we do not see where Jesus would appear to hundreds of people. We're told that in, uh, I think it's in 1 Corinthians. Um, Jesus would appear to hundreds of people, right? And Paul was like, go ask those people. They saw Jesus. They saw him with their own eyes. And this movement came up because they're like, dude, this, 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 this is a game changer. This is a game changer. God rose Jesus from the dead. He's not just a normal man. He's the Messiah, right? He is the son of the living God. And that if we are to follow him, we follow him to death. But when we follow him to death, 
we experience new life. All of those martyrs, all those people who suffered like Jesus did, they're like, praise God, because I'm going to be raised like Jesus too. And they knew it. And they didn't fear it. Brothers and sisters, what is your view? What is your vision when you see this world? Do you just see what your eyes show you? Do you see what the media is projecting to you? Do you see the anxiety that is almost palpable? It's almost tangible. The way that everyone's freaking out. The the way everyone is is down. The way that everyone is, is worried. But not everyone is. Because there's some people who are playing with their kids more than they ever have before. There are people who are reaching out to old family members the way that they never have before. There are ways that we appreciate our communities and and certain things that we always took for granted. That within us, there is a seed of hope. There is a seed of new life. And for the people of Christ, for those who call themselves Christian, little Christ, there is always that resurrection seed within you. There is always that hope that we carry. So, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. This day, this week, Easter is actually supposed to be a season. It's not, it's not enough to just celebrate it one day. Over the next seven weeks, really soak in what it means that there was a man named Jesus who claimed to be the Son of God. That the disciples guessed and he confirmed, I am the promised Messiah who has come to bring about not just the kingdom of Israel, no, the kingdom of God, a new world order, a place where all that is wrong will be made right. And you can live there. You can live in that reality. You can live in that reality that God is your king and father, and you'll be safe, even if you get sick, even if you die, even if the worst happens to you. And we know that, Because God rose Jesus from the dead. Praise team, can you guys come up? I don't know what difficult time you are going through. Uh, Maybe it is this time that we're going through. Maybe there's something else. Maybe you're really worried about your finances. Last year, um, when I was going through uh, my panic disorder... And I didn't know when it would end. There was a song that I would sing and listen to a lot. Sometimes I would just have it on repeat and fall asleep to it. It's a song that we're actually going to sing right now. We have a living hope. But hope that is here and tangible, that you can fully see, is not hope at all. It's the definition of hope, is you can't fully see it. You can glimpse it. There's glimpses of it. We see glimpses of God's goodness. We see signs of inbreaking new life. And I pray that you will have greater eyes to see that. But if you could just for a moment, just close your eyes and just lean into this silent, this invisible, this here and not yet hope that we have in Christ, there will be turnaround. There will be resurrection. There will be new life that comes out of death. You can bank on it. You can bet your life on it. There have been 
Christ followers throughout the centuries who have bet their lives on it. And they are now with the Lord. They were not fools to do so. The wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. The wisdom of God is foolishness in the eyes of this world. But what we see is the full power of God to reverse even death. Can you just lean into that hope? Maybe I could just pray for you right now and you could pray silently that you can have a living hope in Christ. In those moments, you start to despair. Maybe you can read scripture. Maybe you can read the gospel account of Jesus' resurrection. You can read Romans 8. You can know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, the love that we have in Christ. The love that God showed us in Christ Jesus that could resurrect a man from the dead and can resurrect you. Oh God, I pray for each and every person who's listening to the stream or will be watching it later, wherever we may be, when we face the darkness, when we face the shadow of death, give us the hope. Life comes after death, even in the darkest moments. Life is breaking in. The kingdom of God will not be denied. And help us to cling to that hope, even when we don't feel it, even when we're scared, even when we're suffering. To say, Jesus Christ, you are my living hope. There is no barrier that you didn't knock down. You knocked down sin. You knocked down death. You knocked down the grave. You will raise us again. You will raise us with you. God, we bank on it. We thank you, God. And so with all of the saints, with all of the followers of Christ throughout this world, we say in Jesus' name, amen. Let it be so.